the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and In the men's room, the clubhouse men's room, the liar bleats tonight. Intimidates, self-incriminates, and excretes conceits tonight. How many lives did he put at risk with each document he took? Waving classified info around saying it's top secret. Look! Yes, I swore a solemn oath to protect and defend. Bet your ass I'm doing both for my own rear end. Never mind the blah 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 on MSNBC. No man is above the law, and the law is me. Tried to steal our democracy, tried to throw it under the bus. Everybody says, but he's no match for the people of the U.S. Hey, that spells us. Has anyone ever thought hey, of that? Lock him away, 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 lock him away. Very well, yep. have a sitting president yeah. under felony indictment, yeah. and ultimately a criminal trial. Oh, we could, and we should. Uh, that is Roy Zimmerman. But today, I'm going to give you a twofer because uh, the Parody Project has another one, and it works. It it actually goes along with that one. Everybody sing. He is headed to the jail. It's been a lot to track. He crossed the line and once it's crossed there ain't no going back He'll be there for a while, him and all his lives Since he's almost 80 he might be there till he dies It's not just one small crime, it's more like 94 Before his tribe will be convinced he'll need a thousand more He just might go that far, cause he can't close his trap He's threatening the judges and won't stop until they slap him with jail time for a crime. You can take your pick. There are so many to choose from and they all seem to stick to him because it's what he does. He's always been that way. It looks like things are changing and he is about to pay. Judges on his case, both Republicans and Dems. He calls them rhino judges, but they'll get him for his sins. That's how justice works on both sides of the aisle. They dutifully enforce the law and do it with a smile. He is headed to the jail, it's been a lot to track. He crossed the line, and once it's crossed, there ain't no going back. He'll be there for a while, him and all his lives. 
And since he's almost 80, he will be there till he dies. Don Karen and the Parody Project once again. Uh, you know, this guy is prolific. I'll tell you something. We go, you know, you could go weeks, sometimes even months without another new parody from the Parody Project. But during this holiday season, Don Karen has been just knocking them out at least one a day, sometimes two. Go figure. It's all in the holiday spirit, you know. So uh, with that in mind, uh, welcome to the penultimate show of the year. I am taking next week off. However, as usual, I won't leave you high and dry. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the death of, of Jim Ladd that has me, um, uh, you know, reminiscing more than usual, but I've been putting together shows to run next week. Um, and I've decided we're taking a break from news and politics because I'm going to, and I figured, I need it. You probably need it too. And what better way to soothe the savage breast than with music? I know you think it's soothe soothe the savage beast. That's not how the quote goes. Look it up. It's soothing the savage breast. Now, I don't know what's savage about them, but you know, whatever floats your boat, I suppose. As long as you don't hurt anybody else in the process. Um, so, so here's what we have planned. Tomorrow is Friday. Marcy Wheeler will be here and we will wrap up the year. Okay. The following week, Monday is Christmas Day. And so, you know, every year I do this musical, uh, non-traditional holiday music show. Well, this year, because I've been thinking about, you know, radio and uh, friends we've lost and such, um, I, I went back and I put together a really special show to run on Monday. So, um, uh, and sorry if you've heard this before, but, uh, you know, I, it, it goes with the territory. So um, when I was younger, oh, so much younger than today, um, I produced the, the top-rated morning radio show in Los Angeles, the Mark and Brian show. And one of the things that we did every year was a big Christmas show. And so I was the producer from 1990 through mid 94. So I did four Christmas shows, 90, 91, 92, and 93. And what I did was I pulled some of the um, uh, musical performances from those years. Now, I couldn't find the full recording of the show from 1993. I know I have it somewhere, but... Um, you know, I, I tend to wait till the last minute. And, but, but I found one song from that year and it was Emerson, Lake and Palmer really doing, I believe in father Christmas, a Greg Lake song. And, you know, um, uh, so, so I'll give you that hint. The show ends with that. But what we would do is, uh, each year, the last show before the guys would take off for the holidays, we would do a big Christmas show. My first year there we inherited um, the venue where they did it the first couple of years they were on the air in LA, which was at the LAX airport Marriott in the ballroom. So we did the, the 1990 show there. And let me tell you some of the people that were on the show that year. Um, <laughs> Glenn Campbell, Donnie Osmond, seriously, they do a duet that I will share on Monday's show. Um, um, uh, uh, who else? Uh, uh, David Cassidy was on that year. I'm trying to remember because now I, it's out of sight, out of mind. I did it yesterday. Um, in 1991, we moved to the Hollywood Palladium where we did it for the next three years while I was there. And we had everyone from, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, let's see, Kenny Loggins to believe it or not, Barry Manilow to meatloaf, to Eddie money, to, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but what I'm telling you is I pulled some of these performances from those four years and, um, put together an hour long show to air Christmas. I already told George over at progressive voices to feel free to run it all weekend. So, because it's, it's good holiday music. So that'll run. Um, it'll be, uh, now, next week, we will not be on YouTube or Facebook or Twitch or or Shitter um, because 
can't play music on these video services. We do if I want to get copyright violated and I've been there, done that, don't want to do it again. So this will be audio only. Um, You can listen here at progressivevoices.com for sure at our usual time, five to six Eastern, two to three Pacific and three to four here in Arizona. Um, Or um, I think there'll be podcasts out. Um, if you subscribe to the podcast and it's free, I'm not behind a paywall, go do it. And you'll get it in your mailbox and it will also be posted at NicoleSandler.com each day. So that that's the Monday show Tuesday through Friday. I'm just digging back into my music radio archives for interviews that come with performances. So, um, I've been packaging them up. I'm done, I think through Wednesday. So tomorrow morning I'll do Thursday and Friday. And I'm not sure yet what we're going to do on new year's day because that falls on Monday. So I may actually repeat the, 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 the Christmas show. I don't know. We'll, we'll see when we get there. I'm just telling you all this to let you know that there's going to be good stuff to listen to next week while I, stand down and, and regroup and unplug, especially from news and politics. Because for our own collective mental health, I think that's really important, right? So, but, but I hope you celebrate the holiday in whatever way works for you. So yesterday we did our big um, uh, Festivus show, again, because Festivus this year falls on Saturday and I will not be here. Um, and so a number of, of listeners called in with their uh, with their feats of strength and to air their grievances. And, and the grievances, um, I learned something new this year. Thanks to listener Dar in Connecticut, um, I got an email from another listener who had the same problem. She went to try to adopt an animal and because she was over 60 years old was turned down. I'm sorry. I applaud rescue groups and I'm glad they're getting um, strays off the street and trying to find them homes. But if you go to try to adopt an animal through one of these rescue groups and they refuse you, you know what? Take a deep breath say, thanks anyway, good luck to you, and then leave and go to your nearest county animal shelter. Because, uh, you know, it's catch 22. Um, It's good and it's bad. They don't vet the potential adopters the way that many of these rescue groups do. Um, But they're also not going to turn you down to adopt an animal if you want to bring one in and give it a home. So, um, and they've got plenty of animals. And unfortunately, they are putting them down because they cannot get them into new homes quickly enough. So, um, yeah. And, and one last thing. Don't give someone an animal for a Christmas gift. Uh, if you want, you can give them like a certificate and say, you know, I would love to facilitate you adopting a pet if that's what you want to do. But, you know, it's a lifetime commitment when you take on another life. And so you don't give a kid a, a live gift. You can, you can, you can use it as, as an enticement for them to take responsibility. But all right, going off on a tangent here. But that's, so, um, that's my public service announcement for the year. Anyway, so yesterday we, we um, celebrated Festivus as we do. Uh, And I mentioned that, you know, I don't adhere to any religious dogma anywhere. I did tell you that I am a a minister. I am ordained in the church of the flying spaghetti monster. And just to prove it to you, I did dig out my certificate of ordination. And if you can, if you look, if you're watching on one of the video streams, you'll see it right there. It's the church of the flying spaghetti monster. Yes, I am a pastafarian preacher. Um, I got ordained 10 years ago. <laughs> this was in 2013. And back in 2013, um, it, it cost a whole 20 bucks to get ordained online. Just, you can do it too. Actually, it makes a great holiday gift. You can give someone an ordination to become a pastafarian preacher if you want. Um, 
And uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, uh, it's a thing. Um, but but I, the reason I'm telling you this is because I didn't have time to get to it yesterday, but I want to tell you the story today because I just, I love it. I believe in celebrating the holidays, however best works for you. So I saw this story yesterday and I thought, this is, this is awesome. By the way, uh, for Kim, who's asking about what shelter that our, our Dar called about yesterday, it was in Connecticut. And I believe, Kim, you're in Washington State. So um, if you know someone in Connecticut, uh, that's where she had trouble. But I guess it's happening everywhere. Go figure. I don't, I don't get it. All right. So on to holidays as we want them. So the headline in the story that I saw in Huffington Post reads, my mom canceled Christmas and invented a new holiday. We doubted her at first, but now it's our favorite day. You see, there's nothing that says you have to celebrate the same holiday as everybody else. Just saying. So this family was written by a woman named Amy McHugh. And here's what she wrote. I'm just going to share it with you because it's, it's great. Um, the day after Christmas, my family gathered around a bare branch stuck into the sand of a Cape Cod beach with boxes of stale crackers, cereal, and pretzels to celebrate what my mom had dubbed Seagull Day. Seagull, as in the bird, right? Decorate it, my mother said. The oldest of four, I exchanged glances with my adult siblings who looked to me for direction. Mom, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I have no idea what you mean, my brother said, bobbing up and down as he held my infant niece close to his chest. A decade ago, my mother announced we were no longer celebrating Christmas. Instead, we'd celebrate Seagull Day. I was sure she'd seen it on Pinterest. No, no, she said. It's something I thought up all on my own. We are going to decorate a tree with stale food from the cabinet and leave it for the seagulls to eat. Those guys must get hungry in the winter when there aren't any sandwiches to steal out of people's hands. When my siblings and I started to have families of our own, we decided to celebrate <clears throat> our family's Christmas on December 26th so our kids could spend Christmas Day at home and no one had to travel. An aside here, great idea. I always thought, you know, you know how you can't ever get a ticket to go home for the holidays because it's so expensive. Do it at another time. Is there any re look? Um, I know that Christmas ostensibly is to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but you know what that is? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. N nothing says that Jesus was born on December twenty fifth. I I think they don't believe that that was the date. It's just. It's a commercial holiday. And as much as I love Thanksgiving, because for reasons other than the Indians and the pilgrims and the, and the, and the turkeys, um, it was the day I adopted my daughter in Kazakhstan. Um, again, you can make your own day when airfares are cheaper, when it's not like the busiest travel day of the year to be with your family. Because after all, that's what holidays are about, isn't it? Being with your family. And the holiday is whatever you choose to celebrate. So anyway, back to this family. Uh, over the years, this author, Amy McHugh, wrote, our Christmas celebration had turned into a holiday filled with expectations and meltdowns. My mom's, mine, and everyone else's, depending on the year, and who was raw from a custody battle or one of our kids' serious health diagnoses. Yet year after year, we pushed through the day. The gathering was considered a success if no one took off early in their car or locked themselves in a bedroom upstairs. Both happened frequently over the years. It wasn't that we didn't love each other, she writes. We just continued to cling to our family roles. In firstborn form, I took on too many responsibilities and became resentful. My two younger brothers, both of whom, uh, both born within three years of me, poked at my rotten mood and tendency okay, habit of being bossy. My sister, 13 years younger than me, kept the peace and diverted volatile conversations like which one of us was the most independent after high school. Again, me speaking now. Isn't that what happens at family gatherings on holidays? We fight, right? We, we don't, we don't, we don't keep the spirit of the holiday in these family gatherings. And to make it even worse, you know, with, with politics 
injecting its ugly head into the proceedings. Uh, Many family holidays are quite contentious these days. So back to this article, Seagull Day was going to be different. My mother had a protocol and we'd follow it. It looked nothing like Christmas. I'm working on the details, she said to me on the phone a few days before we met up that first year. Oh, and don't bring gifts or expect gifts. I turned to my, I texted my sister, what's the deal with Seagull Day? She replied, no idea, but mom's excited. Maybe it'll be good. When my daughters and I arrived at my parents' house on Seagull Day, Uh, Again, S-E-A-G-U-L-L, like the bird, on Seagull Day, my mother was sipping wine and my father was chugging Diet Coke. The scene was void of the familiar chaos in the kitchen where we'd usually find the two of them bickering over an oven timer for the rolls. Instead of smelling roast beef potatoes and and green bean casserole, I smelled balsam fir. F-I-R, not F-U-R, for those wondering. My siblings were scattered around the kitchen island. My sister raised her eyebrows. My brother shrugged his shoulders. They picked at the platter of cheddar cheese and Ritz crackers. Next to it, a balsam fir candle burned. I've read in self-help books that the only way we change is when we're uncomfortable. My siblings and I were very uncomfortable. Where was the tension, the arguing, the passive aggressive ploys for our parents' affection despite being grown adults? How would we act out our unresolved hurt feelings from decades of miscommunication if we were distracted by celebrating seagulls? Boys, go find a big branch that we can use for a tree, my mother said. The neighborhood was filled with knotty pines, skinny trees without good branches. They returned 45 minutes later with a scrawny, pathetic limb. You think this was easy to find? My brother said when my sister scrunched her face. Instead of inciting an argument like I expected, they both burst out laughing. When my mother announced it was time to head to the beach, one of my brothers couldn't resist asking what the rest of us were wondering but didn't dare question. Does anyone else think this is kind of crazy, he asked. Why are we going to the beach in 30-degree weather to celebrate seagulls on Christmas. Within seconds, my father shuffled me and my siblings into the hallway. You'll do whatever your mother wants. Do you understand me? His bushy Burton Ernie eyebrows stood on edge. We were transported back to the 1980s and 90s when one of us said something hurtful or was in a mood that threatened to ruin the day, which was admittedly an inevitable tradition. Emotions run high on the holidays, my mother said, every single year. So my mother always wanted Christmas to be magical. Again, if you're just joining us, I'm reading from this article that I read yesterday that intrigued me. It was from Huffington Post. It's by a woman named Amy Amy McHugh, who talked about her mother just unilaterally one year deciding they're not doing Christmas anymore. Instead, they were going to celebrate Seagull Day. And I'm reading the explanation of how Seagull Day came to be and what it was. All right. So back to the story. My mother always wanted Christmas to be magical. More than that, she didn't want to disappoint us. In middle school, I rode shotgun in her minivan while she parked in front of toy stores. I ran in and asked the cashier if they had any impossible to find stuffed Alf doll, Transformer or Air Jordans. My mother's look of hope faded as I hustled back to the car with a thumbs down. Somehow she always delivered what we asked for, but the labor of love or the obligation and duty came with a price. By Christmas day, my mother was exhausted and resentful, not at us, but at the expectation of the holiday. Tension was the seventh member of her family. It crept in after we opened gifts from Santa. My mother headed to the kitchen where she spent hours preparing a meal that was never quite appreciated the way she wanted it to be. Now, my family of 15 was walking a half mile to the beach, bundled in coats, hats, and gloves. My brothers carried the tree. My niece clutched a life-size wooden seagull that had been perched on the coffee table because my mother insisted it be in the picture. There would be pictures? My father sang White Christmas and swung two plastic grocery bags filled with half-eaten boxes of Cheerios, pretzels, Ritz, and Cheez-Its. My siblings and I weren't sure what to do. 
the good calm vibe threw us off our game. For as long as we could remember, we went into the holiday armed and ready for battle. More often than not, someone turned an innocent comment about grocery stores into a personal attack on them and their choices. Sound familiar? Now, focusing on the chill in the air, the crunch of the sand and our kids' excitement had the four of us seeking camaraderie to navigate my mother's fake holiday. We huddled together to block the northeast wind that threatened to to take down the tree my brothers had shimmied into the hard sand. The Atlantic Ocean was dark, the beach desolate. I wished I'd worn gloves. Find little places on the tree to rest the snacks, my mother said. Think of them as sparkly ornaments. My middle school daughters, niece and nephews went to work. Mimi, does this look pretty? My daughter asked my mother. Ten pretzels were strung on a branch to look like a necklace. Mimi, look, Mimi, my niece yelled. Wheat thins were stacked in blocks and balanced on a low branch. My siblings and I stood back and took in my mother's joy, a joy we'd never seen on Christmas. We exchanged smirks. We dug our cold hands into a Cheerios box. What do you bet mom had a bowl of these this morning? One brother asked. My mother is notorious for keeping expired food that needs to be thrown away. We laughed on Christmas. I mean, seagull day. It felt good, genuine, and like the very element we'd been missing for years, maybe forever. We knew we loved each other. We just tended to forget amidst the chaos of Christmas. When the boxes and bags of stale food were empty, we stood back and looked at our creation. Do you love it? My older daughter asked me. I love it, I said. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We waited for a man and woman walking the beach to get close so we could ask them for a few pictures of us with our tree. What's this all about? The woman asked as she snapped the pictures. It's seagull day, my brother said with confidence. On the way back to the house, we started chanting, what would become our new family cry the day after Christmas? Seagull day, seagull day, seagull day. I don't think I'd ever felt such a sense of belonging to my family. My fingertips were numb and my sneakers were filled with sand, yet my heart was bursting with the affirmation that my family loved me. For a long time, I didn't quite feel that on Christmas. That afternoon, we ate nachos and pizza. We decorated gingerbread man that my mother, a gingerbread men that my mother had made from scratch. The kitchen island was filled with mini candies, piped frosting, and colored gels. She sat with her grandchildren and dazzled them with her creativity. My mother gave each of us an envelope with $50 and a box of Charleston chews. I remember those. Those were really good. Uh, sorry. Happy Seagull Day, she said. We were thrilled. We didn't need anything. We couldn't even remember what she gave us the year before. She asked my siblings and I to save one present from our kids' Santa wish list for her to buy and give on Seagull Day. No one missed the marathon present exchange of years past. We didn't realize how tense it made us until we had permission not to do it anymore. A few hours later, my brothers went to the beach to remove the branch. It was bare. Every morsel of stale food was gone. The seagulls had swooped in and cleaned up the mess and junk of our family dysfunction and allowed us to start a new way of celebrating the complicated beauty of family. Over the years, we've made Seagull Day t-shirts, bought a tripod for our annual photo, rotated who brings the takeout food, made playlists for the walk to the beach, and learned how to dress appropriately for decorating a tree alongside the Atlantic Ocean in December. Ten years later, my kids, nieces, and nephews are surprised when people haven't heard of Seagull Day. To them, it's an annual and maybe should be a national holiday. My social media posts and pictures spark long threads of questions and I want to do this next year. To which I reply, yes, you do. (laughs) And uh, in case you're wondering, let me see if I can't pull up a picture of the decorated uh, seagull tree in, um, there it is, uh, on the beach there in, uh, in, um, where are they? Cape Cod or wherever they are. That is the seagull tree. I, I need to I need to pull up the picture a little bit because uh, it's too big for the page. With with taco shells and popcorn and other such crackers and things. You see, the holidays are not about whatever the holiday is ostensibly about. 
It's honestly not about Christmas or the birth of Christ. I guess for some people it is. But for some, it's just a, a, it's an excuse to get together and be with your family. And if you can find a way not to fight, but to do something constructive and fun and make it your own tradition, so much the better. You know, I've told you before that um, my family was not religious. And when I was a kid, we never had a Christmas tree. Um, but we did get presents on Christmas because Santa Claus. Yeah, we were Jewish by heritage, not by religion if that makes sense. Um, and then we started going to Florida every year for Christmas. And that was the end of Santa. Our, our, our present, I guess, was the trip to Florida, which is what, you know, Jews do. Uh, plus have Chinese food on Christmas. Um, it's a thing. Tradition. It's all about what traditions you make. And I hope that your traditions this year allow for joy and uh, humor and music and fun and family and love. That's my wish for you. Happy Seagull Day or Boxing Day or Hanukkah or just for the hell of it, celebrating getting together with family and having fun. Or the end of a really shitty year and the beginning of what we hope will be a better one. That's what I'll be celebrating this year because 2023 was not, not a great one. So happy holidays, everyone. Okay, now I guess you could have eggnog if you want it. Me, I'm hoping someone mixes up a nice, um, really strong Dirty Debbie for me. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're gonna love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and french fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. Little cookies, tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet, Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Ah, uh, hello, Howie Klein. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I, I'm doing okay. I, I think that's what you asked. You broke up there a second. Um, uh, happy Seagull Day. I'm sorry, happy what? <laughs> Seagull Day. I just read this article from uh, that I saw in Huffington Post yesterday that really spoke to me. And it was by this woman named Amy McHugh who wrote about how years ago, like over a decade ago, her mother just one, one day decided they're not doing Christmas anymore. Instead, she made up a new holiday called Seagull Day, as in the bird, the beach oh, bird. That- and, and they would go to the beach, they would, they would take a branch from like a dead branch of a tree, set it in the sand and fill it, decorate it with old stale food from the cupboards and the seagulls would feast on it and it became Seagull Day and it's their new family tradition that they've done every year since and it's been well over a decade and now their kids wonder why other people don't, aren't familiar with Seagull Day. Now they are. Now they are. I love it because I, you know, the holidays, I call them the holidays. Again, I'm not, I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't celebrate any of them, but it is nice to get together with family as long as you're not going to, you know, sit around the table and argue about politics. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I try to, I try to um, not be around any of that. (laughs) I hear you. Well, you know, now we're in in Arizona and um, David's son, my bonus son, lives here and he's got, you know, he's got a fiance and her family is very, very close and they do all those holiday things that we don't do. So it's like, okay, are we going to go over there for um, (laughs) for uh, we've been invited for Christmas Day um, 
And it's like, oh shit, that means we have to get presents and things like, uh, but we're going to do it just because, you know, I guess that's what you do. But, but they're, they're heathens like we are, I guess. So it's it, David, as long he said, as long as it's not going to be Jesus-y, I guess we can, we can deal with it. That's interesting. Yeah. They're heathens. Oh, but they're just like celebrating the, um, the the I, I, holiday and the being yes. together. Yes, and that's what yeah. I think. That's what a lot of people do. Uh, people who aren't necessarily religious celebrate the 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 holidays. I'm doing air quotes, like not Christmas as in the birth of Christ, because so much of the holidays are not about that. It's I think become bigger where it's more of, you know, families get together and enjoy time. And I, what I look on the holidays is celebrating the end of in particular this year, a shitty year and, you know, ushering in a new one that we hope will be better. Well, great. Yeah. So I, cel- I, I celebrate the new. But- no, <laughs> no. Well, that's the sad part, but you don't ever want to start a new year with that air of pessimism, right? You want to go into it optimistically thinking, well, next year has got to be better than this one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, um, so how we climb, uh, I, I, it is the, you know, the, the end of the year and, you know, this year, I mean, I'm looking at so many years we get to the end of the year and Congress is 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 staying to the last minute. They're stuck there till Christmas Eve trying to get home because they're trying to get a spending deal or trying to get um, uh, something passed that they have to before the end of the year. They did none of that this year. Um, they just all went home and said, screw it. We'll, we'll come back next year. And this Congress has been the least productive of any in I don't know how long, but probably our lifetimes. Yeah, it's kind of shocking, actually. I mean, they they recognize that nothing's going to get done, and I, the Senate. Is, I mean, they stayed until uh, yesterday, I think. The House, mm-hmm. you know, it's a mess. They can't do anything, so so they 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 just split. They did split. There there was news today, though, because um, although Congress said screw it, we're going home. It's holiday time. Um, uh, Jack Smith and the courts are still working. Uh, And uh, so Rudy Giuliani last week was ordered by the court to pay the two Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, $148 million. Uh, Which is only a hundred million more than they asked for. (laughs) That's right. That's all. That's all. And, and then, and, and then the, the, the judge, I guess, warned Rudy, by the way, you can't get out of this and you need to pay up now. Um, so are they threatening to sell off whatever property he has and give them the money? I I assume that's what the judge had in mind. Uh, he doesn't have much and he's, she said that he's tried to transfer everything in, you know, over to family members and, uh, you know, into things that are untraceable, et cetera. So, so they're aware of what he's doing. And, uh, I, you know, if it's up to this judge, He's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> she has every intention of uh, of hounding him, and and you know even if it means he's going to be in the poorhouse, she's you know she said that his um, he had I mean he he didn't uh, apply for a bankruptcy until today, but right. she knew he would, and she she went out of her way to say that the judgment against him for these uh, two election workers were not going to be covered by any um, any. Any bankruptcy proceedings, right? It, it, it's not going um, to. It's not going to do away with his debt to them. He has to pay them, regardless of whether he files Chapter Eleven or not. Well, exactly. But she, but he, obviously, he's appealing that, and you know, some of it is going to have to do with she. Now, some of it will have to do with what kind of judge he, he gets after her. Um, she said, she, she said in her ruling is that there are no judges who are going to uh, go along with you. I hope she's right, but I, I, I don't she's know, right too. You know why she thinks she's right, but I hope she is. You know, everyone always thinks they're right. Cause right now we have, you know, we had a, we had a, a ruling this week from the Colorado Supreme court who said that, yes, Donald Trump, it was involved, uh, it supported this insurrection. And as such, according to the 14th Amendment, third uh, section three, um, 
if you've if you've taken an oath to defend the Constitution, to hold office and um, then participate in or support an insurrection, you can no longer hold office again. Um, There's a big disagreement on, you know, what that means. And I guess if you're a Republican, you you get to pick and choose what parts of the Constitution you want to honor Uh, to them. They're saying that this is un-American and and undemocratic, but it's it's in the Constitution. It's right there in the 14th Amendment. Um, But you say don't get too excited about this, huh? Right. Well, you know, he did. He wasn't tried. I mean, this is just this is just an opinion. Right. There was no trial that found him guilty. Mm. So, you know, that, that's why I, I mean, I, I think that, this, you know, obviously it's being appealed. Even the even the judges in Colorado said that they, they're going to put a stay on this, I think, till January 5th. And, and so the Supreme Court will probably get right into this like immediately. Yes. Um, and, and, and there are, you know, it's, it's funny because the opinions of the pundit class are all over the place. There are, there are a number of people saying, oh, it's going to be nine zero that the, the Supreme court is going to say, this is nonsense. And of course he can be on the ballot. You can't, uh, uh, uh my word, you can't have prior restraint here and not have him on the ballot. Um, but there are others who say, well, it could go nine Oh, the other way. I don't know that it'll go nine zero, but I, I I can't imagine it'll be unanimous. No, I I don't think so either. But I mean, you never know what's going to happen uh, with the Supreme Court. My, my guess is that they'll find a way to throw it out. That's what that's what I think. But who? What do I know? Right. We we don't know anything, and I guess we wait and see. So that I guess we'll. I don't think the Supreme Court is eager to see rioting in the streets. No. And, and judges being shot by maggots. It, it, no, so of, of course I not. Think that they'll, they'll they'll say that this has to be decided by by people and uh, and uh, you know voters, not not by um, a, uh, some judges in Colorado. Right, I get that. But then, do you just ignore the parts in the Constitution that you don't agree with? Well, no. You, I mean that. I mean it's going to be hard for the Supreme Court to 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 make this happen. But remember. There were so far other judges have found ways around this, uh, you know, both in Michigan and Minnesota, right. uh, you know, where they've looked at the same thing and said, no, you know, Trump can be on the ballot. Yeah. I so, know. <laughs> you know, my, I mean, my guess, if anyone is interested in my guess, is that this is going to be thrown out and he will be on the ballot. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. And it's not like uh, and again, we're talking right now only in Colorado. The other states have said they're going to try to do a California, but it's not it's not going to help. It's not going to make any difference anyway, because California is not going to go for Trump if she, if he's the nominee. Um, but the, remember that we're talking about primaries here. Right. Right. So, oh, you right. know, in California, chances are he'll win the primary. Right. But we don't know because. You know, uh, what's her, Nikki Haley is catching up to him in, in New Hampshire. If she wins in New Hampshire, uh, which can happen, or it's not likely, but it could happen, then everything changes. Um, you know, suddenly people will see, oh, there's a chance to get rid of him. Why don't we do that? Right. We'll N- see. So that, that's why it's important that, um, you know, that, that this get handled right away. Uh, you know, Colorado, I don't know. I mean, I think the Republicans in that state are pretty crazy. So I don't think that Nikki Haley would have a chance in that mm. particular state. But you mentioned California. Yeah. And of course, that's a, that's a state where, um, you know, I don't know that Trump can can. Uh, well, maybe he will. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Republicans are all crazy. Anyway, <laughs> no matter where they are. That's one thing that I think most of us can agree on. I, I just I there's so much that doesn't make sense. Um, and it's what has me, what, what keeps me up at night. Like, how can we be in this position? You have, you know, the, the leading Republican for the nominee, who's, by the way, under uh four indictments on 91 criminal counts um, is the leading candidate. And, uh, and, and he's invoking Nazi um, propaganda and, and, and terminology and, and it's making him even more popular with his 
constituency. It, it just is opposite world. None of it makes any sense to me. So when I try to figure out things that don't make sense, it just makes my brain hurt. Yeah, it, it's pretty scary. Uh, and there, you know, there is a chance that he's going to be president again. What, what do we do then? I mean, that's like horrifying. Oh, I, it, it is horrifying. And I honestly think if that happens, uh, we just drive south and drive into Mexico and take it from there. Because frankly, if he's president, I don't want to be here. I don't know where is a safe place to go, but uh, uh, I think anywhere <laughs> would be better than here. Almost anywhere, not anywhere. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Meanwhile, so I'm, I'm reading downwithtyranny.com, which people should do anyway. And, you know, so you just told us that um, we'll probably hear something from the Supreme Court very uh, quickly in in the new year because they've got to get to this again because Colorado's got to finalize their primary ballots and figure out who's going to be who's in the running. So um, so that's but that's not the only thing we're going to get in early January. We're going to find out the uh, what the passenger manifesto from Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express flights and find out how many times Trump and others were on that plane. Uh, yeah, although Trump had his own plane, so I don't know if he's um, really been on the plane or not. I, you know, I have a feel. I, I, I was just listening to a, a podcast before you called. Have you ever heard of this guy named Benny Johnson? No. He's a right-wing nut, <laughs> and he had uh, Tim Burchett from Tennessee, a congressman from Tennessee, from the Knoxville area. He had him on as a guest. So... There's a case to be made that Burchett is the craziest member of Congress. You'll know him because he was the one that Kevin McCarthy sucker punched. Okay. Oh, the, the kick, the, the elbow to the kidney or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's Burchett. So, and he was one of the Matt Gates eight who, uh, who voted, who, you know, made all that problem by voting McCarthy uh-huh. out. So anyway, Burchett is very crazy. Also very corrupt. So all through his career, He's been taking bribes and not reporting them and, you know, cheating on his taxes, but not by not reporting all the bribes. And uh, and this is, you know, when he was in the state house, when he was in the state Senate and when he was the mayor of Knoxville, Knox County. So he so he's always done it. He's on. So he was on. I don't know if it was today or yesterday with this guy, um, Johnson. And saying how I've been, you know, seeing this my whole career. Well, of course, he's been participating in his his whole career. And he's blowing the whistle, not by name, but he's saying it's all over Congress and going into it, you know, and saying that, you know, powerful people with millions of dollars are, you know, you know, giving the money around uh, to buy people and own people. And, uh, and then he's talking about it. It was really funny. He's saying, you know, the next thing you know, you're with this, uh, you know, really nice looking girl or man, whatever you like, uh, naked in a hotel room. <laughs> no, he said motel room. Oh, God. And he's going on and on. It's so fabulous. It's just absolutely hysterical. And in fact, I will have a post up about it as soon as I can. Oh, cool. Well, uh, better you than me. I can't listen to that stuff. And to, to be honest, here, I'm going to tell some, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't. Uh, and, neither do I. I, I, I don't. Uh-huh. But uh, Tim Burchett is someone, he's a character in my, uh, <laughs> in, in my blog. He's one of mm-hmm. the people that I, that I like to write about. And he, because he's hilarious. I mean, here is this like, you know, he talks funny. To us, he's he's this crazy hillbilly who's been around for a really long time, and is that he's literally the craziest member of Congress. He's you know he's always you know on this UFO thing. That's one of his favorite things to talk about, and he's always apologetic about it. He says, uh, you know, I'm not saying the little green men running around. I'm just saying we are." Uh, you know, we've got that technology and we're, you know, they won't share it with members of Congress. <laughs> I mean, they're nuts, total nuts. I, I believe that there's life out there, but I, 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 I don't think they have anything to do with Congress. I don't think, you know, and that's a story for another day. Um, we, we could go on and, and, uh, but yeah, I still can't listen to that stuff because I get really frustrated. I get... But I also can't watch like the Three Stooges because really stupid comedy pisses me off. 
So it's like that. It's like a comic. It's watching slapstick on the House floor. These Republicans are just morons. And I can't figure out if they are that stupid or they just think that the American public is. No, well, in, in Burchett's case, he is that stupid. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's amazing. Ugh, I'm, uh, well, I guess it's good for the entertainment value. I still couldn't listen to it. <laughs> Just, you know, there, there's only so many hours in a day and I find I never have enough hours to do all the things that I want to do and, or need to do. And good it, news, I, tra- I transcribed the interview so you'll be able to read it instead oh of hearing God. it. Although okay. his voice makes it even more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So Howie Klein, this, this will be our last, um, uh, Thursday together for 2023 next year, next week. I, I mentioned I'm taking the week off and I need to, for my own mental health, um, unplug from news and politics and everything else. So what I decided to do for next week is raid my, um, my, my massive, uh, archives, my radio archives and, 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 run some, it's not going to be on video because music, um, but on the audio podcast and on progressive voices, run some old music interviews from, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And um, yeah, so there's some fun ones in there. And I thought you'd appreciate this. One of the ones, um, well, Monday is Christmas day. And I put together a special show with musical performances from the Mark and Brian Christmas show from the years that I produced it. And there's some great stuff in there. But Tuesday through Friday, I'm going to run some of these old interviews. On Tuesday, I'm kicking it all off with, with one of our favorites, Chris Isaac, the very first interview I ever did with him. And you know Chris well because he was on your label. Well, and, and I know him even way, way before that, because we were in the sort of same San Francisco scene and we used to, oh. you know, know each other very, very well. I actually wanted to sign him, but he had, uh, you know, much bigger ambitions than my small label, 415. Right. And then he wound up on Reprise and you wound up as president of Reprise. So you wound up working together anyway. Um, the thing that, that, that I wanted to let people know before they hear this is of all the interviews I've ever done, Chris Isaac is, is certainly among the top five most difficult. Um, really? Yes, because, not, because he's not serious about anything. Everything is, he's just, he's, he's nuts. He's really, really funny. And he's, he's, some of the things he says are just so out in left field or right field that, that, that it's hard to do an interview with him and not just not sit back and laugh, which is what I wound up doing most of the time. That, uh, yeah, that is funny. I, I've never sat in on an interview with him. Wow. Um, and I didn't realize that he did that. Oh, that's, that's so difficult. And, and I have interviewed Chris Isaac many, many times over the years, but this was the very first time. And so that interview is going to run on Tuesday, the day after Christmas. Um, and it, and it's fun. Can you, is it possible for you to, um, to announce or, Oh no, it's it's all pre-recorded. Yeah. Damn. Because what I was going to say is that I have a lot of gold and platinum records of Chris Isaacs. And if somebody really wants one, because they're a real, real Chris Isaac fan, um, if they donate, um, some money to a blue America candidate. So any of the, uh, congressional candidates or Senate candidates, oh. um, I just give them the record. The, oh, the that's gold. nice. Well, that's a, yeah. that's a really nice you can't offer to really do that. Right. No, because honestly I could have, if we had had this conversation yesterday, but that, that show is in the can, as they say, I, I put it all together this morning. I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday done. So tomorrow morning, I have to get up and do Thursday and Friday. But um, what do you got for Thursday and Friday? Okay, so um, hold on. I will tell you if I if I have everything still up here. So um, uh, Monday is going to be Chris Isaac and who's the second one? Because you know he was on for about a half hour. So the show is oh, so Chris Isaac and Ben Folds Five on Monday, Tuesday is going to be Melissa Etheridge and Colin Hay. He's a fascinating story because, you know, Colin Hay in the 80s fronted the biggest band in the world. They were selling out uh, stadiums all around the world, men at work. 
And then in the 90s, he just he moved to the U.S. He lived in Topanga Canyon and he does these solo acoustic gigs. It's like from one extreme to the other. But what a talented guy and a really nice guy, too. I don't know if you ever yeah, met him. know him, but I was a fan of uh, Men at Work. Men at Work was a great band. I think one of the more underrated bands. But again, as I'm looking at their history, how huge they were. And now Colin Hay releases albums still and does shows solo, just himself and a guitar. And that's how he came into the radio station. So I've got that on um, Tuesday. Um, Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday is going to be. I've had Randy Newman on the air twice. Randy Newman is a, just an American uh, treasure, I think. And so I had him once um, just with me in the studio performing uh, from KSCA. And then at the, the station that followed KSCA, Channel 1031, we had a little bit of studio audience there. So I had him on twice. I'm going to play both of those. Um, on Thursday, uh, which I didn't do Thursday and Friday yet, but I still have, uh, I've got Harry Connick Jr. I've got David Byrne. Talking Heads, my very first interview um, as a, on a music station. Um, the Finn Brothers. I'm a huge Crowded House fan and Neil and Tim Finn fan. So, um, Oh, right. I thought you said the Finn Brothers. No, Finn Brothers. So, so Tim Finn is the older brother, and he had a band called Split Ends, which you probably remember. And Neil was his younger brother. He was like his kid brother. And Neil came on and played on some of the records. And then Neil went on to form Crowded House and brought Tim in on what I think is their best record, Woodface. And um, then they put out a Finn Brothers album uh, in 90, I think it was 96, which is when I had them on the air. They're also just really funny but amazing musicians and a, a, one of my favorites. So, so that's what we're doing next week. A, a, a musical respite, a, a sort of a break from the uh, politics and news that, that has been so disturbing this year. Right. But you can't play, um, you can't play the music at all, right? Well, not on. Uh, so I will, the, 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 the live performances will be on, but, the, but uh, the shows next week will not be streamed video. Cause if I did it on YouTube or Facebook or any of the other video outlets, I'd get copyright violated and they take it down. But for the audio stream. Yeah, I can, or I will. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to even notice. Um, uh, or uh, maybe me talking about it, they'll notice. But um, no, so they will run on the Progressive Voices Network where people hear the audio of this show. Uh, and it'll be posted on my website. I'm going to put them all up there. Cool. Yeah. So um, it gives me a little break. And then we come back after the holidays. And hopefully, um, well, we, we either go one way or the other, I think. You know, either things get a whole lot better or they get a whole lot worse. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any big plans for the new year other than uh, hoping to uh, help Democrats take back the House and and maybe retain control of the Senate? Um, let, I'll, let me tell you about it when we get back. OK. When we're on the air, because I, I see that we're running out of we time are. now and, and I'll talk about the whole thing. OK, so we'll do that when when uh, when we're back after the holidays. Howie Klein, have a very, very happy Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, uh, Hanukkah's already over, um, and Seagull Day. Whatever you decide to celebrate, I hope it's a good one. Thank you. I'll celebrate everything, anything that comes my way. <laughs> Works for me. Yes. As long as, as long as, you know, as long as we can all just get along. I'm so sick of the fighting. I just, I, I it, it, so along with a break from the news and politics, I think I'm also taking a break from social media. I'll, I'll put the, um, stuff up the interviews and I'll, I'll, I'll put links up, but I think that's it. I'm going to try to unplug from all that stuff for the next week or so. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right, Howie, have a very happy holiday and um, we'll talk to you in the new year. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Howie Klein, everyone find him at downwithtyranny.com. And again, you heard what he said, uh, which is if you are a Chris Isaac fan, and by the way, the Chris Isaac interview is going to run on Tuesday. You do want to hear it. Uh, by the way, the open for the show that I played today, the uh, Rock and Nicole thing, that's where it came from. It was that the first time I ever interviewed Chris Isaac, he recorded a theme song for me. He's done two, 
the all dressed in leather one is him as well. And I'm not sure w- when that one was. But as I'm going through and deciding which one to air, there was the Rock and Nicole uh, theme song. So you'll hear the origins, the oranges of that theme. All right. Uh, we got one more day. Tomorrow is Friday. Marcy Wheeler will be here and we will stick a fork in this year because it's done. All right. Have a great uh, rest of your day, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow. And um, yeah, think about what holiday you want to celebrate. It can be whatever you want. Peace out.